Welcome to Searching for the Question Live. Uh, my name is David Orban, and I am welcome you to uh, our various channels. We are streaming live on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. And since we are live, you can ask uh, questions, make comments, and I will be able uh, to pick the relevant ones and the answer uh, with uh, my guest. Uh, you can, of course, uh, also subscribe uh, to uh, the YouTube channel and uh, set it so that you can be alerted when uh, we are live next time. It, we also have uh, a community on uh, davidorban.com slash discord where we are continuing the conversation around the topics uh, of searching for the question live, how technology is impacting society and transforming our lives, but also communities and society at large and how we have to be able to understand these trends that are unstoppable and uh, uh, that can be leveraged by those of us who are alert and who uh, want to understand the world as it is becoming. And uh, if you like uh, the content that together with my team I create, I invite you to become a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor on patreon.com slash David Orban. Today, uh, we are talking about uh, the energy sector, which is fundamental for the flourishing of the human civilization. Uh, it has been uh, the uh, power, literally, behind uh, the growth of the 20th uh, century uh, the oil uh, sector, uh, the hydrocarbon economy. However, it has also been the case that uh, we started to understand its unsustainability. And with great effort and research and applied development and engineering, we have been able to start building alternatives of renewable, sustainable energy sources. Are these going to be able to power the 21st century? Can we rely on them to uh, not only match, but hopefully exceed what the 20th uh, century uh, provided? Can we build more uh, inclusive, more equitable, and more resilient societies? So today's uh, guest is uh, Ernesto Chorda. Uh, who is the Chief Innovability Officer at Enel. Enel is uh, uh, an Italian multinational energy company at uh, about uh, $80 billion um, of uh, market cap. Certainly, uh, it carries weight, and it has the ability to um, not only maintain a status quo, but also to think about what comes next. So, Ernesto, uh, welcome to Searching for the Question Live. Hi. Hi, David. Hi, everybody. And thanks, David, for inviting me here at this very interesting format. Um, so uh, you are uh, based in Rome. How are things in Rome uh, with regards to the pandemic and everything? Uh, I'm now based in Fregene, that is 20 kilometers from Rome, very close to the beach. And uh, here is definitely a little good, bit good, better. Good wine. 
Yes, good wine, spaghetti with tellina, and uh, and uh, we can have nice food, nice nice wine. But obviously, we must take care because uh, going outside is uh, a little bit a nightmare, and always wearing a mask and uh, having keeping the di- uh, the, the social distancing, and uh, it's very it's very hard time because a lot of people have died, and we know that uh, that other people are dying and that are a lot a thousand people are at the hospitals so yeah. all around Italy uh, suffering for COVID and other people are at home uh, suffering for COVID so okay I always try to love or to smile to the life but but it's a sad period yeah yeah very very complex so uh, tell us uh, uh, to start a little bit of your path uh, how did you end up uh, where you are yeah, I, I started as I, I took a graduation at Bocconi University 25 years ago on uh, marketing and uh, business administration. After I, I joined a small consulting company, uh, who uh, asked me to support a, a customer that was very, very, very small. The customer was Telecom Italia Divisione Servizi Radio Mobili. So before that Telecom Italia Mobile started, it was a, a small a, a, a small team dedicated to launch into the market the Telecom Italia mobile business, the wireless, the wireless uh, business in Italy. And uh, at that time, many analysts said uh, no one will use the mobile phones. And if you look at uh, the, 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 the 10 years plan uh, uh, um, provided by a very, very famous consulting company, they estimated 670,000 people as users in the year 2000 uh, as, as, as uh, um, mobile phone users. So just only 607,000 uh, uh, 607, uh, um, uh, mobile users. So the reality was 22 million. So if you compare their analysis with the reality, you can understand that uh, it was a, a bad analysis. But why could it happen? Because they make the, the, the analysis according to the usage of the mobile phones in the United States. And in the United States at that time, the users of a mobile phone had to pay when they received a phone call. In Italy, we changed the, 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 the rules. Uh, uh, we have invented in Italy the prepaid phone service and you haven't to pay anything when you receive the phone call. So changing the rules, we opened up a new market and uh, from the United States, they've copied the Italian case, the Italian new rules. So it was a, a very interesting uh, um, experience for me because I understood that not following the leaders it, it, it could be an interesting option. In some cases, it could be an innovative option. And the leaders were considered the, the, the Americans, but at that time, the Americans w- w- weren't real leaders. They just uh, were the first ones to move into this, this sector. And after this, I, I, after some years as consultant, I founded my own consulting firm. In the year 2003, uh, I founded Arset Invencio, that was a consulting company focused only on supporting big companies on innovation management. At that time, in the year 2003, in Italy, unfortunately, there weren't people in companies very interested on the topic of innovation. So I had to move 
to Finland, where I supported the Nokia, Nokia mobile phones. I moved to France, where I worked with the several companies. And uh, I, I moved to Spain, where the, since the, 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 the interest on uh, innovation was definitely uh, higher rather than in Italy. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, after some years, I joined my, uh, I merged my consulting company with another consulting, rising consulting company, BIP, Business Integration Partners. And after having worked as CEO of Asset Inventio with many, uh, with some uh, uh, innovative uh, partners and friends like David Orban, <laughs> who, who I asked several times to join me in, in, uh, in, uh, in Asset Inventio. And uh, we were pioneers because in Italy, there weren't so many consultants and people supporting companies only on innovation. And uh, after some years, I decided to sell the, 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 the shares that I had because a fund came and they said, okay, do you want to stay here for other years or do you want to sell? And after I, I agreed with the, the, the other founders of uh, BIP that uh, it was the time to leave. I hadn't any real option in front of me. But I say, hey, uh, I, I need a change. So I, I sold the shares and I stayed for three months in this house in Fregene. And people were calling me and say, oh, I'm very sad for you because you have founded this company. Now you haven't this company and you were living for this company. But now you can't uh, also work for this company. And I asked them, hey, where are you? They were replying to me, uh, I am at the office. I say, I'm sad for you. I'm in front of the beach, I'm getting tanned, I'm swimming. So I would, pre I would prefer to stay at home rather than being, being at the office. It, it's, I was joking, obviously, but, but it's interesting to, to note that on those days, since 2003 till 2014, I was for the 90% of my time uh, having a smart working. So I was working uh, 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 from home, And uh, my colleagues were working from home. We, we met when we had to, 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 to ideate new, uh, new, new concepts, new models, or when we had to make a party. But we didn't meet just for working because working could be done being at home. And the technologies were, all, 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 were ready at that time. And they are ready still, uh, obviously, today too. And after in, uh, three months, I have sent uh, some emails, obviously, to former uh, customers of mine. One of them was Francesco Starace, the actual CEO of Enel. And, uh, and uh, I have written to him because I wanted to ask him for an advice, a piece of advice. Because I had three alternatives, uh, three former customers of mine, a, very, a CEO of a big consulting company, as the CEO of a very important telco company, and the CEO of a, a very important bank, In Italy, they were asking me to join them as a chief innovation officer. But I, I had many doubts. So I asked Francesco, hey, can I meet you? Just to ask you for a piece of advice. So I went to, I went to meet him, uh, the, I think, the 3rd of September in 2014, wearing flip-flops and a T-shirt. And people didn't want to let me enter in, in Enel. They thought I was wrong, that I could have a meeting with the global CEO with flip-flops and T-shirt. No? And they were surprised that the CEO could admit to meet a, 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 a so strange guy. But, but he said, okay, no, no, he's right. He has a meeting with me. So I asked, I, I asked Francesco, hey, what do you suggest to go? Because I have these three alternatives. And we were working together. We were discussing together. And after he was looking at me, 
and he, he, he showed to me a report. This report, I have um, done this report, I've written this report three years before, uh, depicting and describing why the innovation at Tenel uh, could be a failure if they don't, they didn't uh, uh, change a lot of stuff. And I, I have proposed these changes in 10 steps. And I said, you are, were definitely right. You have highlighted all the failures, of the reasons of failures uh, in this company, of the, of the innovation. And he asked me, why don't you join us to, uh, to fill the gap? All the 10 steps to, 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 to make this journey together on filling the gap on the, the 10 steps and uh, switching the innovation uh, uh, of Enel into something better. Okay, just to be clear, Enel had very talented and innovative people working at Enel. But unfortunately, the governance, the innovation management was, from my point of view, not right. Because the innovation management can influence the results of the people. And if the people are brilliant, as they were, without me, and if the people are uh, uh, so, so, so smart, but they are not comfortable in the governance, they are not helped enough by the organization, unfortunately, the organizations can make a format C to their brains. This is what it, what it was happening to them, to some of them with a closed innovation uh, uh, ecosystem. So I decided to join and I sincerely thank, thank very much, many, many times a year, Francesco Starace for having offered to me this opportunity because I always say no CEO, no party. Um, so, so that is that is very interesting, and I I had the chance of meeting uh, Starace as well. Uh, it was uh, um, a, a really important signal when he was uh, promoted from being the head of the uh, renewables uh, division of Enel to be the group CEO, because uh, I don't know how many other global energy companies are run by someone who is evidently and historically. Uh, at his roots, so uh, passionate about uh, about renewables. Um, now, uh, uh, your title uh, is CIO, but instead yeah. of being the chief innovation officer, you are the chief innovability officer. And I uh, searched uh, in, in in Google, and uh, uh, if I eliminate from the search. Um, your name yeah. and NL. Uh, there is nobody else uh, who is uh, claiming that that title. Basically, uh, yeah. I mean, yes, there are seventy six results, and probably half of them are still associated to you through a colleague or something. So, probably this means that uh, this concept of innovability deserves some explanation. Can you tell yep. us what it means and and why did you choose that title? Okay, we were I I I have been appointed as a chief innovation and sustainability officer in the uh, year 2014. Uh, why? Because we think that uh, innovation is a tool, but the aim is the sustainability of the company. If you don't innovate, you die. So it's impossible to keep alive without innovation. So innovation is the tool, but
But the real aim of the company is to be sustainable. Sustainable means that the company can survive. But sustainability, our concept of sustainability comes from a, a Latin origin, from Pierpaolo Pasolini. He was able to distinguish uh, growth and, and development on a side and uh, progress on the other side. Development uh, refers just to economic indicators. Uh, um, progress refers to economic, social, environmental, and cultural indicators. So we think that if we don't create value with the communities where we are, where we work, uh, if we don't destroy, if, if, we, if, if, we, if we don't destroy this common uh, uh, um, house that is the earth, we can be sustainable. If we create a better, better social conditions, for our, for our uh, colleagues, for our stakeholders, for our suppliers. If we do this, we can survive. And on the other side, to do this, we need to innovate. And uh, if you look at them, if you, if, you, if you search Pasolini and Progresso and Sviluppo, you can find a nice video, Progresso and Sviluppo. Yeah, this is the difference between growth and progress. This is very interesting because he was, uh, he was explaining this difference and uh, some uh, artists, at, uh, very famous at that time, like Moravia, were laughing in front of him. But this, this, this difference is very, very important. And also in the Laudato Si of the Pope, I think that there is clear uh, this distinction, this difference, because growth is just economic. Progress refers to the whole human experience. We want to create a brighter future. We want to create a sustainable progress. This is our purpose. Why do we exist? To create a brighter future and to create a sustainable progress. To do this, we must respect communities where we are. But to do this, we must find a lot of social innovations to help them. So let's try to, to, to talk concretely on a, on a real innovation. If we reduce, if we limit the costs of renewables are using technologies, are we doing innovation? Yes, we are using technologies to reduce the cost of renewables rate. But as there's sustainability, yes, we are reducing the cost of renewables and we are increasing the acceptance and the diffusion of renewables. So how can you distinguish the good innovation aimed at a better world uh, and sustainability? So innovation is the tool. We have reduced the cost of renewables in the last five years, more or less of the 60%. So reducing the cost of renewables allowed us to sell more renewables instead of fossil fuels in, in countries like in Brazil, where they launch tenders and they say, okay, I want 200 megawatts. It doesn't matter if you produce these megawatts with coal, with gas, with wind or whatever, but we need 200 megawatts and we assign the tender to the company that is proposing to us the lower cost, the lowest cost. So we have won many tenders proposing wind, blades instead of gas turbines, instead of uh, coal plants, because we have worked before on innovation. But if we didn't work on innovation, we couldn't win the standards. So there is a strong link between innovation and economic results, innovation and 
environmental sustainability in this case. And after while we were building up the plants, we were involving communities with social innovations, helping them to get uh, a value from our activities. I give you an example. After that, we have uh, installed uh, photovoltaic panels or wind blades. We have a lot of wood that we should dismantle, that we should, uh, 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 how could I say, eliminate. But we can use this wood as a gift to the communities and we have helped them to treat this wood, transforming it into furnitures and selling those furnitures. And those former poor people have become little entrepreneurs. This is social innovation that is linked with the technology innovation that makes the world a better place and that distinguishes us. And that's why I, I'm leading innovation and sustainability, but we didn't want to just uh, um, uh, have these two terms, these two words combined. We wanted to create a new one because we want to push this concept into the world, saying, hey, to, better, a be to create a better place, you need innovation. And innovation to be a, a tool for the progress should be aimed at a better, better world. So we have invented this innovability concept But there is another chief innovability officer in Italy, uh, my friend uh, uh, from Mediolanum, Oscar de Montigny. Okay. If you look at Oscar de Montigny, he calls himself sometimes chief innovability officer. I, I know And Oscar for sure, yes. You know him? Yeah, And yeah, yeah. I was in New York and I, I have met a person, I didn't know this person. He came to me and he said, I am the CEO of the largest worldwide company uh, selling... Uh, um, uh, uh, I don't remember the name of the product, but uh, uh, just uh, a product that is able, uh, uh, that is used in, uh, in, the, in the pharma industry and their income is 8 billion. And uh, he, he was looking at me and he said, uh, I want to meet you because you are Mr. Innovability. And we have the first chief innovability officer in Brazil. And, nice. uh, and uh, they are selling just this, I don't remember the name of this product that is very, very common and used in the pharma industry. But after, if I remember it, I, I will share with you. But so there is another example. But the reality is that many can, companies have copied us. If you look at uh, uh, Iberdrola, Iberdrola, and you look for Chief Innovation and Sustainability Officer of Iberdrola, you will find a company that has copied us because they have the chief innovation and sustainability officer of Iberdrola. That makes more or less my job uh, at Iberdrola, that is an innovative uh, company, Agustin Delgado. Yes, Agustin Delgado. And uh, uh, is, the, is the person uh, uh, that is a peer of mine, making the same job of mine, and uh, uh, probably they've copied this new organization that has not been invented by me, but... It was an intuition of Francesco Staraccio. So I, I, I showed the, the, the stock price because uh, uh, what you say uh, would be a thousand times harder were it not that it, it seems to be working from a financial point of view as well. Yeah. yeah. Because the, the stock price uh, has uh, quadrupled over the course of the past five years. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, doubled, not quadrupled. Uh, uh, doubled for, uh, over doubled. the course of the past five years. It recovered very nicely from uh, uh, from the the, the, the last uh, few months uh, uh, upheavals, and and this is great news. Now, yeah. My my next question is, 
but David, can you can I suggest you to check uh, 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 what is the market cap evolution of two companies that when I joined Enel, uh consultants told me that they they were the leaders that I had to follow. So one is Centrica from from UK. So if you check market cap Centrica from UK, you can analyze the evolution of the market cap Centrica. See, okay. Hmm. Centrica. Yeah, okay, let's Centrica see. Centrica market cap. Centrica, yes. And market cap. Okay. And you can see uh, the five year. This is the normal journey of the market cap of the utilities all around the world. You can check with with an echo if you want. An echo. It, it, it was another leader that I had to follow according to the consultants. An echo market cap. And it's uh, you can get the five years uh, um, evolution. And this is they have lost more or less the 90% of the value, the 90% of the value. And, and, and uh, you attribute both uh, because of their lack of understanding of, uh, of renewables and sustainability? Yeah. yeah. The same happened with different figures, but to E.ON, to EDF, and to other very big companies. If you, if you look at, at our market cap and the EDF market cap, we were half of EDF when I joined Enel. Now we are double EDF. And, and the EDF market cap evolution is another interesting, uh, another interesting picture. <laughs> If you look at it, uh, five years evolution. And uh, the graph is terrific. Uh, and uh, so, so my question is why uh, the Uh, sorry, let me, because I prepared it somewhere. Um, yeah. uh, here it is. So the yeah. International Energy Agency yeah. for the past 20 years yeah. very publicly declared that the innovation and the ability to improve in, for example, photovoltaics is yeah. over. Yeah, because yeah. what they said year after year in their report is that the capacity of uh, installing additional solar reached a maximum. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. According to their projections, for decades until 2040, it would remain basically constant. At yeah. every year, we could only add the same amount And this amount that we could add in photovoltaics would never improve, would never increase. And as a consequence, uh, uh, policymakers, uh, a huge trillion-dollar um, sovereign wealth funds, uh, investors in innovation such as venture capital firms uh, backing startups, um, and, and uh, many others have been gravely misled because even if you could be wrong once, 
the International Energy Agency, which is one of the top authorities about energy in the world, has been wrong. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen times, and now maybe fifteen times, never changing their methodology, never changing their thinking. How is this possible? Okay, it, 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 it's incredible because it's more or less the same story that I share with you with the mobile phone industry. That's having right. The, it's exactly the same. Very famous consulting company, eh? very famous. I could share. It was McKinsey. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. It made 670,000 people as users in Italy in the year 2000. And uh, unfortunately, uh, but McKinsey changed his mind. Very, very, very fast. Uh, the uh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, EA uh, International Energy Association, unfortunately, has uh, a DNA bias because the majority of the analysts come from the fossil industry. So it's like if you ask uh, a nice uh, uh, company, I selling company to evaluate. Uh, the diffusion of Frigidaire, the first company that invented the fridge. Uh, they under-evaluated the diffusion of the fridge. They say, okay, we can increase the, 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 the penetration of the market. We can raise the, 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 the remuneration to our uh, sales channels, and uh, we can avoid to, uh, uh, we can stop the Frigidaire company. But it, it didn't happen because the innov when innovation comes, it's like a wind. You can cover your face. You don't perceive the wind, but the wind comes and you remain alone. <laughs> and the, the wind comes. It doesn't matter if you cover yourself. Unfortunately, these analysts were always and always underestimating the diffusion of renewables. But I want to share with you a story and why, from my point of view, is so special. In the year 2009, so not, not so many years ago, uh, a startup grew up in the Enel world. Their startup name was Enel Green Power. Do you know why this startup uh, was born? Because uh, nobody wanted to manage renewables at Enel because they thought that renewables had no hope. So uh, they so preferred... NL Green Power is 10 years old? Yeah, it's just, just 11 years old. Yes. In the, year, in the year 2009, they prefer to say, hey, Francesco Starace, you will work on this. Because nobody wants to work on this. You will do, but don't, don't uh, uh, bother us. You will be out of the company with a company of yours, NL Green Power, in a separated building far from the headquarters, because please, don't disturb us with this not interesting topic, renewables. You will be out of the power of the company. And unfortunately, the best managers will not work for you because obviously we must focus on the core business. And the core business is not renewables. So the core business is fossil generation, distribution, and selling energy. Please don't bother us. So go to Via della Bufalotta, very far from the quarter. And please, if you can, 
make a lot of business outside abroad that is better no and uh, francesco starace uh, was able to build up a group of startups okay with the support of a big company but not so much support just the brand and just uh, a, a financial credibility but he had to manage a startup so well, and 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 the the isolation was also an advantage because the yeah. immune system of the large company couldn't kill uh, all the uh, 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 business process innovation and and all the new kind of thinking that he could uh, introduce i definitely agree with you you have you are you are always a very smart analyst of the of the innovation of a company it was a plus because they were protected by the immune system of the company that could kill them and they stayed on a side and they have they have nurtured a new team of of young people very committed very hungry humble and they were able in few years from 2009 till 2014 so in five years they have become the largest producer of renewables in the world and what is amazing is that the former management team of the startup is now the management team of the world anal so the former cfo is the global cfo the former ceo is the ceo the former head of audit is now the head of of um, uh, hr and we have many the former business development manager of renewables is now the ceo of renewables and uh, francesco venturini who was in united states as head of energy power in united states is now the head of nlx so we have a team that is able to manage a startup that has a startup attitude that has a startup uh, 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 vocation and that is able to understand the problems of a startup and that is able to create real leadership based on on uh, value creation based on behavior not on blah 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 chat and uh, a real leadership aimed at creating value in a concrete and effective way this is the particular case of enel having a former startups as leaders of a 80 billion company and and uh, uh, so there was a disruption from inside and and uh, and the uh, rebels took yeah. uh, control of of the castle yeah uh, now it uh, renewables uh, today uh, are are still uh, a small percentage of the total energy equation yeah but people don't understand that they are growing at an exponential rate decreasing cost uh, the 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 learning curve of the industry itself the ability to produce and deploy at ever greater efficiency as well as still uh, a blazing pace of technology core technology innovation in the efficiency of solar uh, cells and and other other factors um i remember a few years ago um i was i was uh, at, at a meeting at anel in rome uh, when um, a, a few colleagues of yours from uh, the 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 traditional uh, coal based uh, energy production uh, division declared 
that the cost of retrofitting coal plant uh, uh, that was necessary by law because of the Paris Accord was high enough so that it wouldn't be economically uh, feasible or convenient and it was better to close and they estimated that about half of the coal plants of NL would, would, would be closed. So if we put all of these together, when do you believe we will keep uh, oil and the hydrocarbon industry for, you know, pharmaceuticals or, or whatever they are good for and necessary for a rubber? You know, there are things that are going to make it made of, of petroleum, plastics, and, and, and yeah. who knows what. But we will stop burning petroleum and coal, and we will look at that as something crazy. Um, what is what is your feeling? And, and, and you know, uh, we can be wrong and we will be wrong, but as you project these exponential trends, certainly it is not going to be in 100 years. It is going to be much sooner than not... Uh, the traditional kind of thinking would uh, would imply. Thanks to my friend David Orban, some years ago, I have learned that exponential phenomena go, are, are going to happen sooner than you can imagine. And uh, thanks to you, I have studied several phenomena like this. And I think that it will happen before that we can imagine. And uh, if we look at just at the renewables, only five years ago, when we cancelled five billion that were present in the past three-year plan that we have found, uh, uh, because in the in the year 2014, there were three five billion to be invested into new fossil plants in the former uh, uh, plan that we have found at Enel, and we have cancelled all of them. And the analysts were saying that we were crazy. Why do you give up? We weren't giving up. Uh, we were substituting, sw switching from from fossil fuels to to renewables. And uh, after a couple of years, the same analysts were saying, you were a genius because now the cost is better. The cost is lower. And we were, we were saying we were not genius. We were not stupid before. We were just sustainable and innovable because we considered innovation that could be, uh, that could be, that could, create a more sustainable investment for renewables. And if you look at the market caps that we have seen before, they demonstrate that the analysts have understood that more sustainable companies uh, 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 must get a, a better appreciation from the markets. And if you look at the market, our market cap and the market cap of the other big uh, utilities that didn't uh, marry these uh, a, a renewable revolution, uh, they demonstrate that they underestimated the risk of not being sustainable, of not being innovative. And the risk is that you die. If you don't innovate, you die. It, it, it happens with our body. Every two hours, we change the skin of our lips. Every 20 days, we change the whole skin. And even every 15 years, we change the 99% of our cells. So the David Orban that I've met the first time is that and Ernesto Chola that you have met the first time is that because we have changed us and we are live, we are here talking. No, 
and and, and, and some of the some of the uh, uh, consequences of this type of thinking is the ability to discover uh, completely new markets. Um, yeah. uh, somebody with with the old kind of mentality uh, could never imagine uh, the opportunity that this uh, video represents. Uh, it is from a couple of years ago. And I remember seeing it. It is it is just wonderful. <laughs> you see these dozens and dozens, a hundred buses mm. disembarking from a from a, from the original shipment, and they are just lining up on the highway as they get uh, into the city, and they are all electric buses. And yeah. and if and they are supplied by NL uh, specifically L. NLX uh, yes. and. Uh, and um, what is uh, incredible is they are in Chile. So yeah. uh, too many people, of course, uh, uh, don't know about uh, so much of the world. And, and they tend uh, to think about the world as, as, as backward or poor or uh, unable to cope with the challenges. But innovation happens everywhere. Everywhere. So a city... Uh, like Santiago, I assume, uh, that uh, embraces this kind of uh, radical uh, sustainability to uh, uh, purchase a hundred electric buses for public transportation is, is, is wonderful. And of course, it's great business as well. Um, so uh, so I, was, I was very inspired uh, when, I, when I saw this uh, video, uh, I remember. Yeah. I, I, I thanks, thanks, David, because you anticipated me. The electric mobility is one of the exponential trends that is coming. And unfortunately, Italy is not as advanced as Chile for public transportation. This is the truth. Because in Chile, you have hundreds of electric buses running over the streets uh, uh, to, 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 for public transportation. And uh, we have supported the municipality of Santiago del Chile with uh, a strong alliance that we have created in the year 2016 with BYD, that is a Chinese producer. I was yep. looking for a European producer, but they were just chatting. And when I asked, okay, do you have 100 buses with these uh, features? They were saying no, but we will have, we will have. No, 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 we want them now, not in the future. That's why we had to... To, to, to make this alliance with BYD that is a, a fundamental partner. We are very proud of them. And I have visited the, the founder of BYD uh, at his headquarters and some colleagues of mine also were a little bit joking me. They were saying, okay, the bus, electric buses, till we will sell just one electric bus, Volvo, Mercedes, and the other ones will have produced a better one rather than the Chinese one, they were saying to me. But the reality was that today we haven't <laughs> affordable uh, electric buses from such big uh, 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 automotive players from Europe. And the reality is that at that time, BYD were, was producing 6,000 buses a year. Now they are producing 6,000 buses a week. So, yeah, and, and, and uh, the, the adoption... Uh, uh, in many countries is just too timid, too slowed, and, and, and there is no reason for this uh, slowness. Yeah. For example, uh, Bergamo, uh, I, where I am, uh, I'm, 
I'm talking to you and where I've been stuck for the past uh, five months. Beautiful yeah. city, wonderful home. Yeah. I'm very happy, but I, I am used to travel. So it, it is a very yeah. different uh, uh, way of, of being now. Bergamo um, built an experimental uh, electric bus line uh, two years ago. How long yeah. do they need the experiment to run before concluding that it is fine and they can extend it everywhere? Yeah. Do they need 10 years? So um, it, it should be much more courageous, uh, much more uh, um, uh, fanatic about yeah. uh, uh, the experimenting, measuring, deciding and deploying at, at, at large scale. Uh, talking about ex experiments, uh, uh, another fun uh, thing that you you did, uh, which at the time was was uh, uh, really mind blowing, is uh, your worldwide uh, contest uh, to crowdsource uh, from all over the world uh, the 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 people who made the best mistakes. Uh, yeah. And and you called this uh, contest my best failure, failure. and you and yeah. you flew people who were still not sure whether they would be fired <laughs> at the end or 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 their head would be cut off, uh, but instead they received the prize uh, in in a in a wonderful uh, event uh, in in Rome. So so tell about this craziness. Yeah, uh, my best failure is an international program aimed at rewarding. People who made failures trying do it when they were trying to do something new and if they share those failures. Why? Because we want to push people to do something new. And when you try to do something innovative, something new, you make failures. It's normal. Innovation is like playing poker, not like playing chess. If you, if you can anticipate everything, you can play chess. This is the management of the company that can com be compared to the, to the chess. But innovation is like playing poker. Every time you get you get uh, your cards and you have to pay a, for a bet, you bet and you get cards. You check the cards. If you don't find right cards, you have to discard very fast. The professional players, they play less than the, the, the not professional ones because they know that they must play when they have the right cards. So we must play. We must try, try and try, fail and fail and fail and discard the cards very fast and get into the new game. And um, we have found, when I joined NL, I found a company that was very innovative, but with a, a closed model. And on the other side, that was very obstyle to the failure culture. They were not failure intolerant because they say, okay, we must avoid failures. And they were right. If you look at the importance of the energy services service for the, for the, for the citizens. If you have uh, people in a hospital and if the, if the hospital has not the, uh, the, the provision of, the, of the, the electricity, people could die in the hospital. So for us, it's very important to avoid failures when we provide the citizens with the, the public service. But on the other side, we must fail many times and much more than now also, uh, even much more than now, when we try and we experiment new Innovation, innovation. Uh, so we, we, we have a couple of people on the in the in the comments. Uh, uh, Amjad uh, from Pakistan says uh, hello, uh, both in uh, hello. Uh, English and in his own language. Uh, 
maybe Urdu, I don't know. And uh, then we have uh, uh, Kelvin uh, asking, why does every city need to do its own trial? This is a smart question because yeah. intuitively you would think that once it works somewhere, it can work yeah. everywhere. And this yeah. may be partially true, but an important bottleneck is uh, the regulatory environment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, in many ways, uh, a, a lot of the battles for what country or what community can be most innovative will come from the speed of regulatory updating and upgrading. Um, you mentioned electric transportation. One step further is self-driving electric yeah. transportation. Yeah. And yeah. that is illegal everywhere in the world today. So what will yeah. be the countries that will win the huge disruption that will come from that and the huge economic upside that will come from that? Those will be the countries that allow it fastest in terms of, of, of regulation. So the answer, at least from my point of view, and then I want to hear your uh, um, opinion as well, is that what we call reg tech, regulatory technology, uh, is uh, today an important uh, frontier of of innovation in order to understand what uh, society can embrace and is a given society adaptable enough to go as fast as it could or will it choose to stay behind and let the others uh, make the mistakes but also reap the benefits. I definitely agree with you that uh, technology is the same everywhere and can be applied everywhere, but rules are definitely different in different countries. And unfortunately, in Italy, in some cases, are different in every single city. If you look, for example, uh, at the, the management of the waste, no, <laughs> we have different rules in every city. But okay, uh, I definitely agree with you, and I think that the regulators can help innovation come true and can create a country innovation competitive uh, advantage. Because if rules open the country to the to the new and pushes uh, uh, the, the new into the habits of customers, of citizens, uh, this regulation creates uh, a, a competitive advantage. On the other side, if everything is forbidden, uh, unfortunately, companies must make POCs, attempts, trials, or even industrial projects abroad. I can give you two examples. When we were working on vehicle to grid, that has been called by the Time magazine as one of the uh, disruption, most important disruption in the automotive industry, we were forbidden to make attempts in Italy. And we had to do this in Denmark, where the Danish regulators asked us to work there, and they immediately prepare rules to make this vehicle-to-grid come true. And it was forbidden in Italy. It was allowed in Denmark. So we were doing it in Denmark. And uh, it was funny because a very famous comedian now in politics, he, he, was, he was saying publicly, hey, Enel must copy what the Danish people are doing in Denmark. And, and we were saying to him, hey, we are doing it in Denmark. 
and he has asked some colleagues of him to check. And they went and they came back saying, hey, Enel is doing this in Denmark. And he was surprised because uh, it was true, but he couldn't imagine that something that was forbidden in Italy was allowed in Denmark and that Enel, not the Danish utility, was doing it in Denmark. So regulation is very important to, to enable uh, many innovations. On the other side, let's look at China. I'm not a fan of, of China for human rights protection. Eh? That, uh, from my point of view, is, uh, is a problem. But if you look at China, they didn't join the COP events for some years. They were not so fun of the, of the climate uh, uh, defense, but they have uh, helped the growth of the battery ecosystem They are supporting the uh, battery ecosystem. They are supporting electric mobility. They are pushing municipalities to buy only electric buses. They are pushing municipalities to accept only uh, new electric taxes. So they are doing a magnificent work to push China uh, on electric mobility, guaranteeing to China a competitive advantage. So if you compare them with uh, the Italian government that is incentivizing the thermal cars, no, I think that Chinese government is doing a, a great job. So uh, to be honest, uh, uh, the, the rules can help and the rules can stop innovation. So your topic is very important, very, very, uh, very uh, current. Uh, with uh, uh, the, the aim that uh, we are talking about diffu the diffusion of innovation because uh, rules can stop the diffusion of innovation or rules can enhance it. Um, open innovation and, and, and helping the startup ecosystem uh, is, is, is really uh, very important. Uh, is there um, a, a right way and a wrong way for a large company like NL to engage with a small startup? Can uh, a startup be at the same time excited and terrorized by yeah. uh, the, the opportunity of working with NL? How can uh, the uh, probability of positive outcomes for both be maximized? What are the recommendations that you can give for a startup uh, to, to position itself so that it wouldn't be smothered by the giant? First of all, uh, I think that the company needs the right cultural attitude towards startups. Being humble, being hungry. If you are hungry enough, you are looking for ideas, proposals, technologies from anywhere. So from startups, from big players, from your suppliers, uh, from uh, independent inventors, from universities, from anywhere. Because you're hungry. So you want to eat ideas. Uh, on the other side, you must be humble. Thinking that even a small company can disrupt a giant, can kill a giant. So if you are humble enough, you listen to them. But the third ingredient that is very important is that the innovation management of a company must be structured. Because if you don't structure the innovation management, even if you find a, a great startup that could be useful for your company, but you have not anyone who has the task to analyze the, the offer of the startup, 
the task to adopt the, the, the service of the startup, to work with them, the task to scale up the solution provided by the startup if it's, uh, if it's useful, if you have not these people with the right governance on an organized and planned process of innovation management, unfortunately, launching challenges involving startups is a nightmare for them, could be a nightmare for the company and a waste of time for everybody. So we, before working with the startups, uh, in, we started in 2015, we were working for some months in 2014 only to be prepared to work with them to adapt our innovation manager, having innovation manager all around the company. We have innovation manager in generation, distribution, in countries, in functions, in, uh, in every area of the company that there are people working on innovability, bettering, innovating for a better uh, future and for a better, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, how could I say, to improve the KPIs of the function of the business line of the markets where they work. So those people are committed on it. And we have people supporting them, putting them in contact with the startups. I can share with you some figures. More or less 9,000 startups analyzed in the last five years, 9,000. More or less 700 projects launched, 350 projects launched successfully. So more or less 250 projects without any success. It's, uh, it's good. And uh, more than 60 startups scaled up at global level. I can share with you some story. Uh, Nozomi Networks. Now Nozomi Networks is in the uh, uh, right up quadrant of Gartner. Nozomi Networks is uh, one of the leaders at global level of cybersecurity. The founder, Andrea Carcano, came to me when he was an employee of any. And he, he, he asked me, hey, I have these ideas. I think that we can do this and this. Zero revenues, zero employees, just an idea. And uh, he founded the Nozomi Network a couple of months before saying, hey, I have these strange ideas about, uh, about uh, um, uh, cybersecurity. And say, hey, if you are able to implement one third of what you say, you will become a billionaire or you will become a, a CEO of a, a startup that will be an an unicorn and i we helped him on defining the solution scaling up the solution we tested them in five plants after in 100 plants after we scaled them up in to our grids we helped them to find the right vcs because it's there is a plenty of vcs that want to work with uh, startups that are working with enel and we have a lot of alliances 48 uh, allies all around the world, they have already 110 billion in asset under management. So there is a plenty of money available for them. And Andrea Carcano uh, followed us. He was humble as we were humble. And thanks to Yuri Rasega and his team, uh, we were supporting him, explaining what uh, uh, he could imp- uh, better, what he could better. And he was humble. He was listening to us. We were. It was a Win to win-win approach, and now Nozomi Network is a multinational company active in 41 countries. If I remember well, the value of this company is more than 350 million of euro of dollars, and they raised uh, over 50 million dollars in capital. Yeah. yeah, and they are active in United States and in other 40 countries. 
We are very proud of it because uh, the, the, the president of uh, Italy, the Italian Republic, Mattarella, visited them in, uh, in San Francisco and they shared with Mattarella just three slides. One was the dream and the team. No? The second one was who made it possible. And they had written Enel and Ernesto Ciorra and the names of the team that, were, that, that helped them. And the third slide was who we are now. 41 countries, multinational, uh, and with a heart in Italy, hiring people in Italy and having activities all around the world with the headquarters in, in, this is, this is the, the movie, no? Okay. Uh, when, when Mattarella joined Andrea Carcano. This is Andrea Carcano. And, uh, and if you look at my WhatsApp picture, uh, and uh, we, uh, there, is, there is a picture with the President Mattarella and uh, Andrea Carcano and Francesco Starace. I was obviously in, the, in this meeting, attending this meeting. And this is a, a real example of what we do. Uh, you can see me with a tie, with a tie in, in, the, in the video. Uh, it's incredible, but I, I was wearing a tie for the president. Uh, and uh, and, uh, and uh, it's incredible, but we have many stories like this. We have, uh, um, you can see in the first row, there is Francesco Starace. Yep. Uh, we, we, have, we have stories like this with the Atonet, with the Hermes uh, Cybersecurity, and we many other startups, 60 of them, that we helped scaling up all around the world. We are very proud of it. This is not philanthropy. We did because they were helping us to make innovation come true. The startups go faster rather than a big company. The startups are hungry. We are hungry. They can be talented too, and we can work with a win-win approach to help them grow up and to be innovative uh, uh, from our side and more sustainable. Wonderful. Uh, Ernesto, um, good luck uh, uh, for the next uh, phases of uh, growth of uh, sustainability and renewables yeah. uh, at Enel in the discovery of uh, new markets like electric transportation, yeah. uh, but, but uh, others uh, too. Uh, uh, good very luck important. with... For everybody, for everybody, it's very important. You can ch check our uh, technological and social challenges on openinnovability.com. www.openinnovability.com is our digital door. Everybody, a big company, a small startup, an innovator, an inventor, or a, 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 a PhD, or uh, uh, anybody could have a di direct dialogue, dialogue with the person that will evaluate his proposal in the Enel ecosystem. This is an open digital door. Everybody can subscribe and can propose his or her ideas to us, having a feedback. This is a community of 400,000 people act, uh, with, with members from 97 different countries. So I hope that uh, people who are watching this video will join this community will propose ideas and we reward those ideas. Huh? We, we reward those ideas with the, the ideas with money. But the, the, the plus is that we can involve startups in our projects, we can help them and we can scale them up. You can see, are you a small, medium company? Are you a startup? Are you an enterprise? Are you a big corporation? And there is the uh, dedicated journey for you and even NGOs can propose to us social innovation projects to, to better the, the, the conditions of the communities where we operate. Wonderful. 
Uh, Ernesto, uh, this was uh, really great and congratulations for, for everything. And as I said, uh, good luck uh, for the next steps because transforming the world uh, uh, to be based on renewables and sustainability uh, is, is uh, something uh, that uh, will benefit everybody and it is going to be great business. So yeah. uh, it will be good for the world, good for the people but also uh, good uh, financially. Thank you very yeah. much for being on uh, Searching for the Question Live. If, if any co if every company adopts an SDG, can better the world and can create a better world with better financial results because the, the investors will appreciate if you adopt an SDG and transform it into a core, into part of your business or into your core business. Ciao. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks, David. Thank, thank Ciao. you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for being uh, on uh, Searching uh, for the Question live uh, today. Uh, I am looking forward to have you uh, in our next episode. And uh, uh, if you like this content, please subscribe to our uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I also have a, an Italian YouTube channel, if you speak the language. Uh, you can find it on davidorban.com slash YouTube Italiano. Uh, and uh, uh, you are also welcome to become a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor on patreon.com slash David Orban. Thank you, and uh, uh, see you on uh, the next episode of...